0: the gospel according to luke luke is the only gentile author of the 40 or so authors in the entire bible now obviously god chose a gentile to write this book because of the theme of this book luke presents christ as savior of the world now remember matthew presented christ as king of the jews so the uh, right person matthew okay and then matthew was the first gospel because most of the early believers put in the bible first huh, not the first written in the bible first because most of the believers early believers were jews and also the book of matthew is the best gospel for new believers the second book of the gospels is mark mark is written like a tract very concise very exciting to read and it's ideal for unbelievers. Right? So the new believers are supposed to start going and make disciples straight away in Matthew. Right? Not like today's Christianity, you know, you learn and learn and learn. No, no, no. The moment you became a believer, your mission was make disciples. And you needed book. And Mark was that perfect book. Then we come to Luke telling us now that not only you make disciples, but you broaden your horizon. You become, you make disciples of the whole world, All right? So Jesus is savior of the world. So that's the theme of this book. Not, not just beyond Israel, not just beyond the Jewish believers, but into geographically into the world. And also, you'll find the book of Luke stretches our mission field, not just geographically, but also to reach what we would call outsiders. You'll find this book also focuses on a lot of people you and I would have thought would be like not very good people to make disciples of. Right, so that this book is full of poor outcasts. You find lepers, you find beggars, you find prostitutes, tax collectors highlighted in this book. Right, so it's a Jesus, savior of the world, the whole world geographically, and all the strata, not just the good guys, not the religious guys, which is generally our thinking. Right, the best prospects to us are the religious good people but that's not true actually all right so luke he's a gentile he came from the city of antioch antioch is the first gentile city to have a christian church in fact the word christians was coined by people in antioch right that's north of israel and he was a physician. Now you think doctors didn't exist in those days. They did, right? We as doctors today take the Hippocratic Oath. It was by a Greek guy many, many hundreds, if not thousands of years ago who made a doctor's oath which we still take today called the Hippocratic Oath. So medicine wasn't a new, isn't a new thing. It's been one of the oldest Professions, because when people get sick, they look for a physician. So he's a physician, and uh, that's mentioned in Colossians four fourteen. And he of, obviously is an educated person because physicians were respected people, and he was trained to be observant. Right in those days, physicians didn't have a lot of MRIs and, and lab tests; they had to use their eyes a lot, observe a lot of stuff. They had to take, a, do a lot of interviews in medicine. We call it taking patient's history. So he's very good at interviewing, getting the facts out of people, right? So that's his skill and good at recording it. So basically that's what a physician has to do. Uh, see what you can see, get facts out of someone and then record it precisely. So actually he was trained for this job of being writing, this gospel now you must remember all right he was not an eyewitness of Jesus Christ and yet he's writing about Jesus Christ so how in the world did he get this information in Colossians four fourteen, it also says that he was a co-worker or maybe a better word a co-traveller he was like the young man who came along with Paul on his journeys his mission journeys right and he was with paul in his imprisonments okay paul had two long spells of imprisonment one in caesarea that was when he was first arrested and kept there waiting for his trial in rome spent two years in caesarea in prison and during this time of course luke had all the time to interview Paul and then thereafter Paul was brought to Rome and spent another two years in house arrest in Rome he couldn't go out right he was quarantined and so Luke again another two years to interview Paul and record what Paul knew of Jesus Paul himself was not an eyewitness right So here we see, Uh, Luke is a historian interviewing and it is thought that during the time in Caesarea, the two years in Caesarea, he wrote this gospel, gospel according to Luke. And then in uh, Rome, he wrote the book of Acts. Right? So these are what people believe. Mm -hmm. Now, he's a historian. There's no question about that okay in fact he is possibly the only historian of the 40 authors in the bible in the bible people wrote on the inspiration of god right people wrote letters to address certain problems prophets got messages to address certain problems why do you think luke wrote this it's stated very clearly in luke chapter 1 And if, please have your Bibles and let me read it. Luke chapter one, verse one. So it's very clear. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you most excellent, theophilus that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught right so he says i'm not the first guy to write this a lot of people have written but i felt i needed to write an orderly account i mean that's a physician right gonna write things properly You cannot be confused, okay? So he was going to record an orderly, because there were all kinds of eyewitness accounts and some maybe uh, uh, all jumbled up. And he said, I'm going to do it in an orderly way. And I'm going to do this for a man called Theophilus. Now, later when we studied the book of Acts, we realized that obviously Luke and Acts were actually part of one unified volume. In fact, it should have been called Luke-Acts. One book, not two separated books. right? Because you can see very clearly there were like two volumes of one uh, biography or one history. Right? Maybe we can call it the History of Christianity, Volume 1, about Jesus. Volume 2, about the Apostles. Especially Paul, right? So basically how Christianity started with Jesus, volume 1, and how it spread, volume 2. So you could call it the early history of Christianity, volume 1 and 2, right? So he's a historian, the only one in the Bible in a very strict sense of the word because others recorded history too, but their goal was not exactly to record history. Their goal was other goals. Recording history was what they did, but not their motive. But the most important thing you must understand about Luke, he's a physician, he's a co-traveller with Paul, he's he's a historian, but the most important thing is he is an evangelist, right? His goal was to see the gospel spread through the world that the world would know there is a savior the savior of the world is jesus christ he came to save all throughout the entire world all from the poorest to the richest i think that was his goal right that you will see that in this book okay so now i'm you know you remember you already read matthew mark and Luke. So, I'm not going to go through a lot of things because there's a lot, huge amount of overlap. In fact, I believe that uh, Luke took a lot of stuff, right, from Mark. Mark's the first writer and Matthew took a lot from him. The framework seems to be very much like Mark. Mark was concise and short, crisp. Matthew added the Jewish part. Luke used the same framework and... Added savior of the world part, right? So for Matthew, he wanted to emphasize Jesus is king of the Jews, right? Luke, he wanted to emphasize, but he's also savior of the world, right? So they use the basic framework of Mark and expand it. So I don't need to repeat a lot of things except to say there are, I think, five unique things about this book that makes it different from the other Synoptic Gospels, right? So the Synoptic are the three, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Okay, let's see the five uh, unique things in the book of Luke. Number one, it seems that Luke focuses a lot on the poor. All right, now you see up to this point, religion was usually for the religious. All right, the poor people were like, you know, rubbish. Nobody really bothered with them. For one, they're not very literate. Uh, you know, they maybe cannot read, they cannot remember doctrines and all those. They don't have money to go to the temple and make sacrifices. They don't have spare time to do that. They're just struggling, right? So we see that he spent a lot of time on the poor. You must remember almost all religions are usually for religious leaders. Okay, and generally, the religions pray for the king, to the for the safety, God save the king, right? Now, Luke wanted to stretch that, that Jesus is savior of the world. And you know, the world is basically made up of poor people. We call it the pyramid. I always say, I like to work at the BOP, bottom of the pyramid. Because the pyramids always more at the bottom, right? And the poor are always more, and they're usually neglected by religions because religions are generally expensive, time-consuming, alright, and need some kind of understanding and education. Okay? the gospel, on the other hand, the poorest can get it, can get the best, right? So he seems to emphasize the poor. That's number one, huh? one unique point. Okay, let's just look at some possibilities, all right? Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 1 and see when Mary was having this baby in her, All right, The angel came and told Mary, you have this baby, and then she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, right? Let's see what Mary's prayer is like. Very big, early, right? Luke, uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse 46, okay? so this is Mary's prayer we call it the Magnificat Mary's magnifying song of praise right it's a it's a Latin word Magnificat Luke chapter 1 verse 46 and Mary said my soul magnifies the Lord my and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. Right? Now, I hope you see this. You get the feel of it. First, he used mary to carry jesus now how do you like to have the son of god come in an unmarried teenage pregnancy i mean that's not the best way to come into the world probably the worst okay i mean a teenage unmarried girl pregnant carrying the son of god no 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 couldn't you choose someone better right so that's number one and then she says a lot of things that sound you allowed me to carry this baby because you wanted to scatter the proud bring them down and lift up the poor wow that sounds a little bit unnecessary to me I mean come he just lift up the poor without bringing down the rich right then we see when Jesus was born the angels came it's only recorded in Luke and reveal themselves to shepherds in the field now shepherds in those days were really the low very low all right kind of job highly not highly very unrespected uh, unrespected okay so we see here the angels didn't reveal to the scholars the rabbis even the decent people in jerusalem but to a bunch of shepherds out in the fields at night okay and look at luke 2 it's all recorded in luke earlier all right luke 2 verse 8 to 15 and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock in a manger and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising god and saying glory to god in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased right so just see here the focus shepherds very lowly out in the fields by night, very few. bodies. Not in a nice place, in a nice environment. Told about a baby born in a manger. Now that's where you keep animals, man. Not babies don't get born in a manger, right? So we see here that focus is like, wow. The whole focus is on poor. Th- Everything is poor here. And then the news is glory to god in the highest and on earth peace not in israel on earth peace on earth it's the savior of the world okay so i hope you see a little bit here then we all go on to see it's all this is not recorded elsewhere in luke chapter 2 again verse 22 just go down And we find at the dedication, you know, Jewish babies had to be brought for dedication. And this little detail is shown in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice, according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, normally you would bring sacrifices. You could bring lambs, you could bring other sacrifices, but the poor were given a uh, ability, I would say an allowance to bring something very, very cheap: two birds. Not two animals. Now, the fact that, you know, Mary knew her birth was special and, uh, you know, the angel had told her, you know, you would think they would dedicate this baby to God with everything they had. But what did they bring? Two pigeons. Whoa. That's like the minimum. Now, I don't think Mary or joseph was stingy or trying to save money i think they were just poor plain poor <laughs> okay all right so here we see a kind of hint all right i'm not saying all these things are clear but it hints okay and then in this in this uh luke you see a lot of things uh, that that are not mentioned elsewhere you know like lazarus you all know there's the story of lazarus and the rich man lazarus was a eating at his table but Lazarus the one gets to heaven you know all these are unique in Luke so basically point number one is Luke emphasizes a lot on the poor point number two when we think of poor we think of um, no money eh? but actually the word poor also includes outsiders. so number two you see a lot of outsiders are included in luke's um, account of the gospel okay we find for example the story with 10 lepers right okay that's bad enough 10 lepers come to jesus not one ten and then the story ends by saying that one leper came back to thank jesus the other nine didn't bother and that one leper was a samaritan now to you and me like okay big deal he's a samaritan now to the people who read this in the early days right this book a samaritan now why they are the worst you know the jews really despise the samaritans right if they had to walk from jerusalem up north they had to cross samaritan country they would make a huge detour so they don't have to enter a Samaritan country. That's how much they they despise the Samaritans. But it tells us the good guy here was a Samaritan. In fact, the story of the Good Samaritan is only found in Luke. We're all familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. We just say the phrase as if it's like no big deal, the Good Samaritan. You say that to an Israelite in those days or to people of those days, a good and a Samaritan don't mix. There are two words that cannot be put together right but in luke he mentions that the good guy is the samaritan it's like e that's how you feel when you read it in those days what's luke trying to say all right the gospel is even for outsiders right and then you know you have a lot of prostitutes in it Zacchaeus the only story of Zacchaeus is here there's nowhere else Zacchaeus the tax collector we know this little story the short guy climbs a sycamore tree to look at Jesus every Sunday school kid knows this story they don't they don't know why he's only live because he's a tax collector despised right there's a lot of females you find a lot of females mentioned and you, you must understand females were looked down in those for religious things not females not females All right. males must dominate Okay, mm-hmm. so unique point number two, outsiders, a lot in Luke. As you read, just see words like that popping up, okay? The paralyzed, the prostitute, you know, the bedridden, all these, the, the people we don't have time for, okay? Mm-hmm. Number three, you'll find the word Holy Spirit used far more, far more, Can you repeat that word in Luke than in the other Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Uh, Matthew, Mark, or John. Far more. The Ho- Holy Spirit. Okay? And that won't surprise you because he also wrote the Acts of the Apostles. Luke wrote the Acts of the Apostles and that's all about... Actually, the Acts of Apostles is a very bad title. It should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul and Peter. That's, I think, how I would title the Book of Acts. Right? So, you will find the Holy Spirit here. Now, of course, you cannot... Be evangelist of the world in your own strength impossible so if Luke wanted Jesus to be known in the world as Savior of the world the Holy Spirit was critical and you find that in the book of Acts later when you read how much the emphasis is on the Holy Spirit bringing Jesus to the world number four unique point is prayer You'll find prayer again. Okay, all you need to do is go to a concordance. Okay, you've got a concordance, electronic concordance, just that word prayer or pray, and you compare it with all the others. That's what I just do. Very simple. I want to see what are the themes. And you'll find prayers like, oh, umpteen times, many, many times more. All right, at least double, sometimes triple than other other uh, apostles, other gospels. Uh, okay, prayer in this book. Now, of course, again, the same thing. How do you bring the God? Uh, Jesus to the world without prayer. Okay, you really need prayer. And lastly, number five, the unique thing is called. Type in the word joy, or rejoice, and you'll see it outnumbers the word joy or rejoice in Luke way outnumbers in the other gospels. Okay, so these are the five unique things as you listen or read. Uh, the book of luke okay or the gospel according to luke okay when you see things regarding poverty the outcast holy spirit prayer and joy it's a ding 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 ring a bell okay that's there's a slight emphasis that you see after you have become a, a new believer you read when you're a new believer you read matthew then you use mark to help Others come to know Christ. But then as you want to expand your ministry and go beyond your circle of friends and the few people you want to share the gospel to, then you have to read Luke. I hope you see the sequence, the beautiful way God puts it all. It's not just three repetitive books or just three slightly different books thrown into this jumble and we read it in any sequence we like because we like to jump around and choose books. No, all right? Okay, so the introduction to Luke is, uh, the, the summary of it is basically, chapter 1 and chapter 2 is the introduction. Okay, the introduction, and as I said earlier, we introduce by the angel saying, Peace on earth. Right, this peace is going out to spread through the earth that's luke 2 14. then when jesus is brought this is in chapter 1 and 2 huh, the introduction part it gives you the idea the scope of it when jesus is brought to the dedication his parents brought two simple birds for his dedication there was a man who was waiting his name is simeon he was waiting in the temple for a long time because God told him to wait there. I'm going to show you something before you die. And so when Jesus is brought into the temple, Simeon is so excited. And we see what Simeon says in Luke 2, verse 29 to 32. Right? Uh, Okay, this is what simeon says luke two twenty nine. lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the gentiles and for the glory of your people israel What does Simeon say about Jesus? Is he a light? Is he the king of the Jews? No, no, no. He's the light for the Gentiles. He's for the Gentiles. Okay. Now this is very important. It tells you he's introducing Simeon. God uses Simeon to introduce Jesus as the light of the Gentiles. Now Luke chapter 2 also shows a very unique part not found in other gospels. It shows the life of Jesus as a boy. Now all the other gospels, either his baptism, you know, and nothing about his childhood, nothing about him as a as a boy, except in Luke. And i'll just read it because it's unique okay i'll read it i also i want to emphasize a point here right so if you're the bible luke chapter 2 go to the last part and we will see luke 2 verse 41 now his parents went to jerusalem every year at the feast of the passover and when he was 12 years old they went up according to custom And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now, this is unique in this gospel not mentioned anywhere else what is all this about maybe just a quick summary because it can sound a bit puzzling to us jesus was 12 years old now a jew when he's 12 becomes an adult they have a ceremony called a bar mitzvah it still happens today i've been to synagogue and see people uh kids do that now at a bar mitzvah 12 year old boy is given us a passage of the jewish uh, scripture the old testament he reads it and then after that from that day onwards, he's a full-fledged adult. Before that, anything he does wrong, parents fault, not his. From that day, anything he does wrong, his fault, And he's supposed to then learn to obey God's law from 12, right? So, at that age, when Jesus was brought up, 12 years old, now he's probably had his bar mitzvah in his synagogue in Nazareth. He goes to Jerusalem. He's an adult already now, Okay, Of course, his mother forgets that. So after they go to the Passover, they all travel when a whole village would go together. And generally, the women would walk ahead, quite a bit ahead, because they had to set up tent and prepare the food. Cooking took a long time. So women and girls and children went ahead. Then the men came behind, you know. And uh, so normally, Jesus, because he was a little boy, he would go with his mom and then, come back with his mom but now this he was now his bar mitzvah he's a doubt and so on that occasion when he's 12 the mother left with all the women thinking that jesus is with his papa he's a man now right and then his papa's group all the men leave after that and jesus is not with his papa and his papa thinks, oh, Jesus is with his mama, because that's where he always goes. Every year it comes out that way. And so both of them assumed he was. And then when dinner time came, oh my goodness, where is Jesus? He's not here. And so they rush back to Jerusalem to look for him. And they find him after three days. Of course, it, the last place they expected to find him was with the PhDs of the law. I mean, you know, he's 12 years old, what's he doing there? So they run around looking all the alleys where the kids play and sing and have fun. They're looking for him. They can't find him. And finally, you know, they went through every alley and they can't find him. So they go to, and they find him in the last place they expected with these scholars. And he's sitting and asking, listening and asking questions, right? And I said, what are you doing? He said, I must be about my father's business. He's a man now, All right, he's a man. All right. You see, in the Jewish way, when you become 12, you join your father's profession. That's why he became a carpenter. Everybody just automatically, at the age of 12, apprentices to his father. No more under the mom, under dad already. So that's a carpenter, you're a carpenter. That's a fisherman, you're a fisherman. All right? So you apprentice on your father. So he stays in Jerusalem. He's going to apprentice under God. <laughs> My don't you know I must be about my father's business I'm an adult now you see his real father was not Joseph his real father was God right but then it's interesting it goes on to say that he went back to Nazareth with them and was submissive to his parents to his dad for example he became a carpenter because Joseph was a carpenter he built he built ball frames uh, frames for houses so he was a laborer he became a laborer because Joseph was a laborer construction worker house builder right but what I want you to see here is it showed him growing up you you, you notice the last verse and Jesus increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man he grew up like a normal boy now I think this is very important because the next book is going to show Jesus as son of God and sometimes we forget that Jesus is 100% man like you and me he had to grow up as man he had to grow cell by cell his mind had to be filled Knowledge by fact by fact, just like you and me growing up normally. And yet, as God, He's also one hundred percent God. This is the mystery of Christ. You can keep forgetting these things. You lose your balance. You think Jesus is God, so when He suffered on the cross, what's the big deal? He's God. He can't suffer. No, no, no. He's one hundred percent man. He feels fear like us. He feels pain like us. All right, because he's man. So I think this was put in here to balance as we move on to Book of John when it presents Jesus. Beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. You know, and you think Jesus was like just God, just masquerading as man. You know, a lot of religions, God came down in the appearance of man. Theophany, they call it. Alright, no, this is not. Jesus is really man one hundred percent had to grow up like us struggling except he had no sin that's all right so i hope this just helps us to understand okay because all the gospels balance one another out it's purpose all right so chapter one and chapter two are introduction and the introduction says savior of the world also man chapter three to nine speaks of his mission in Galilee, right? And chapter 3 gives his genealogy. And his genealogy is interesting. In the other, in Matthew, his genealogy goes right back to Abraham. Stops there. King of the Jews. What do you care about going further than that? Abraham was the father of the Jews. In Luke, his genealogy goes back to Adam because he's savior of the world. And the genealogy in Matthew is taken from his father because that's how Jews consider genealogy. Though Joseph was really not his father, but Joseph was also a descendant of David. In Luke, his genealogy goes through Mary because Mary is his biological mother and she's also a descendant of David because he's man so when we say Luke is the gospel that shows Jesus as Savior of the world sometimes I also also say Luke is the gospel that shows Jesus as 100% man biologically 100% man right as opposed to John showing him as son of God okay Then we see he launches his mission in Luke chapter 4. He launches it. He goes to the synagogue and he reads a passage from Isaiah 61 verse 1 and 2. He reads it and that's how he launches his mission. I want you to go to Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and 19. Let's read that. Let's see again. Hmm. This is how he said. Maybe I'll read from verse 17. Luke 4, 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want you to see two things here. He said, I am come to proclaim good news to the poor. Wow. Hope you get it. Okay, he's launching. He's telling you, this is what I'm going to do. I'm here. He uses Isaiah. And says this is about me i'm coming to proclaim the good news the gospel to the poor okay of course the word poor in hebrew is more than just no money it also means poor in status poor in education poor in other things right basically to the bottom of the pyramid Right, whether socially or educationally or whatever. That's what he came to do. Number two, he said, I'm here to proclaim liberty. The word liberty is taken from uh, the Leviticus about the year of jubilee. The Jews had a law that at the year of jubilee, every slave is freed every debt is repaid you don't have to no more debt settle your liberty slaves free that's what he came to do pay our debt and free us but to whom particularly to the poor and to the oppressed right so i hope we just see that he is also telling you in book of luke the focus because though we go into the world all right, and mysteries do that. We oftentimes go to the cities, go to the rich people, because it's easier, it's neater, it's cleaner, right? It's more respectable. All right, so that's what we see here in, uh, and then we see in Luke chapter three to nine his mission in Galilee. You know, Galilee is uh, the 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 crude as I thought before. It's the e-religious the uneducated the unimportant the people there right and he spent his time there reaching all kinds of people and you will see from luke 3 to verse uh, 9 all kinds all right bedridden lepers people with disabilities people paralyzed prostitutes tax collectors all kinds of people he encounters them he heals them he transforms their life Right? and then luke nine ten to 19 roughly yeah, because the chapter divisions are not very put in a very nice place luke chapter 10 to 19 you see his journey his long journey to jerusalem okay so this one is a long journey to jerusalem and in the process he's training his disciples he's teaching them truths and I see some truths he's teaching them he's teaching them generosity giving 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 to the poor he's teaching them you don't need a lot of possessions we don't need a lot we have too much All right a simple lifestyle that we see him trying to teach them that simple lifestyle when you read try to see these things in Luke and then why is he doing all this about giving about having a simple lifestyle so that we can be missionaries to the world all right so that's Luke 10 to 19 and then the final week is the last chapters chapter 2 20 to the end i want you to see one of the last things he did right before he gave up the ghost on the cross and said it is finished I'm not going to talk about you know the other things on the cross but just these unique ones which are not recorded in the rest look at Luke 23 Mm -hmm. and verse 42 Alright, we see here, he has convicts, convicted men on his right and left, and one of them says to him in Luke 23, 42, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise that's almost the last words he says and then after that he says father into your hands i commit my spirit who is this guy who said who he invited into heaven with him a convict i hope you see these things that are kind of unique in it's not all in, in the other gospels and then after his ascension he ends after his ascension, he gives a message before he goes up and off to heaven. All right, Luke chapter 24, verse 45 to verse 47. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This is after he rose from the dead and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, And on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Wow. You're going to have power from on high. And you're going to bring this message, all right? It says, to all nations, all nations. Okay? And then the book continues in the book of Acts. After that, when they got power from on high and how they went into all the world. Okay? So Luke is about jesus savior of the world are you bringing that message living a simple life a generous life that you can bring this message to the whole world this is the message of luke god bless you